yourself for sheer fucking hubris. Sheer fucking hubris. Welcome back, everybody. We are back uh, for another episode of this podcast, which now does have a name. So welcome to Sheer Fucking Hubris. Uh, Sheer Fucking Hubris. <laughs> uh, once again, I am joined by Biblio Warden. Yo. And uh, Mr. Willie. <laughs> Hello. And I, I am Joe Bob. <laughs> and I just watched Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Episode 3, Context. Dot, dot, dot. Is for Kings. That's right. And they really made you wait. I, I just... But, these episodes are just so freaking pretentious. I know, I they're terrible. They're <laughs> awful. And this one, this one made you wait all the way up until the end to have that aha moment. Oh, oh, that's where they got the that's where they got the name from. Um, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and can I just say one? I'm really excited about this episode because it was just chock full of material. But does anybody <laughs> else get the feeling? That the show should have just fucking started here. Yeah. You know, it just, you know, imagine a cold open to a Star Trek show like this, and you've got, you know, a character on a prisoner transfer shuttle. Everybody knows her. There's obviously some kind of ominous thing in her past. And, you know, it would almost create enough mystery to make you want to learn what happened. Well, what you could have peppered through the, the season with some flashbacks or something. Exactly. You know, and it would have at least kept you strung along long enough, you know, to maybe make it to the mid-season. But, um, you know, anyway, I, I, I just... Uh, well, I yeah, at, the very least, you, at the very least, you wouldn't have spent, what, like two hours banging your head trying to figure out why is she so stupid? So her her mystery could have an air of competence to it. If you... <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, I, I just <laughs> want to point out... That the two episodes that we saw first are the two that they chose to release on network television to bring viewers in. <laughs> uh-huh. let, yep. let that sink in for a minute. Well, so, there was a lot of pew-pew in it, which is which is going to snag a lot of viewers, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the whole harbinger of death persona that she had in the shuttle in the opening... Um, you know, it just made her even more unlikable because now that you know what happened, you know, she's just kind of being a bitch, you know, but if, if that was part of the mystery surrounding her, you know, I, I feel like that would have been a, uh, an interesting way to start the show, but she continues to be an extremely unlikable character, right? 8,000 and... people died that day. Actually, it was 8,176 or Whatever the hell it was. But, uh, right, right. Well, which, we constantly which a we, we have high. to immediately reestablish that she is smart. Because, you know, we can't just say that Minox are chewing on the power cable. It has to be species G1792. That, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and I agree with you. 8,000, 8,100, whatever it was, is either really high or really low. Uh, if they're talking about the, the, the one battle, then that's, yeah, very high. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I think they specified that day. I think yes. she says that many people lost mm-hmm. their lives that day. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Again, here's I am gonna be that guy here because <laughs> I, you know, I said I'm an engineer. I love the ships. That doesn't make any goddamn sense because they were they were eleven <laughs> or twelve ships. So I mean, even if you had ten thousand people 
at an 80% casualty rate, that would be like 800 people per ship, which ships, you know, I think the, I think the Constitution, which is probably being built or maybe going into service right about now is, you know, yeah. it's less than 500 people. And I think they say Discovery has like 130. So the only reason I, I, I to point that out. I think where it, you're missing. Yeah, I think you're missing some numbers. Uh, there were reports that the beacon of Kales caused epileptic seizures in uh, countless oh, people across the galaxy, <laughs> and, uh, and and that's where the other seven thousand casualties came from. Is that what burned out Orca's eyes? Must have been <laughs> Orca's. What oh, captain? You know, whatever. <laughs> Look, when uh, they, but, when they start well, giving I, them characters, I'll start learning their names. <laughs> let's uh hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves now we got a lot of stuff before we find out about orca's eyes or, or lorca's eyes got other um, things <laughs> you know uh, so all right sorry so so this time we, we rambled a little bit on the last show so uh warden has us a a plot synopsis up so that we don't have to uh we don't get lost as badly as we did last time so you right. know obviously we're, we're on this prisoner shuttle um, uh-huh. just, just the most nit- secure prisoner shuttle ever, <laughs> ever. with zero um, guards no one is restrained and there's one pilot no co-pilot and a completely open cabin yeah I, I think they were restrained though I, I'll at least say that because they, they did they were all, all these all these people who were cool as a cucumber and so happy about being bad kind of flipped the fuck out when uh when they found out they were going to die, but uh, they, uh, okay, they were wearing cuffs, mm-hmm. but they weren't uh, they they weren't restrained to the, their seats in any way yeah. that I could tell. Um, uh, uh, yeah, you may be right about that. Um, so I I got a question, and I, and I watched this twice, and, and maybe I still saw it the wrong way. So the shuttle's moving forward, right? Okay, and and, and you, so the pilot right. steps. <laughs> so, you saw it right. So did, did something strike the pilot and catapult them forward? Because when the tether breaks, we see the pilot accelerate beyond the shuttle that was traveling at speed. And uh, I, I was so just like... So she's moving at like warp <laughs> seven as opposed... Why do, why, yeah. why do you not stop the shuttle to go out and shoot the Minox? <laughs> like, it just seems to well, me that... A spacewalk is not something that you want to attempt at warp five or or however fast they were traveling. You're probably right, but um, look, man, mm-hmm. those bugs were gonna make us freeze to death or run out of oxygen. You know, well, whichever no. comes first. Yeah, no, they weren't because unbeknownst to the prisoners, and apparently also unbeknownst to the pilot, they were like two seconds from the rendezvous point. So yeah, big rescue. Well, they weren't actually rendezvousing with Discovery. I definitely got the impression that they were. No. Well, well, they've been diverted, unbeknownst, mm-hmm. at least to the prisoners. Uh, yeah, because it's hard to do, it's hard to do that unbeknownst to the pilot. <laughs> that this is true. This is that true. is the, yeah true. Yes. I mean, I'm just assuming the pilot would be like, "Oh shit, Minox on the hull. It's a good thing we're a minute away from rendezvous. This would be a bad time to tip the spacewalk." <laughs> well. Well, maybe they didn't uh, know they were that close to the rendezvous because the rendezvous point could be anywhere in the universe with the discovery. Uh, we can. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but, oh, 
we'll move on to that. One, uh, one presumes that there was some sensor degradation and all that nebula fun, but yeah, it is still very strange. You, you would think that she would know that she's at least in the neighborhood. Um, so yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, but it, but it's okay. Do you want to know why? Because tractor beams. Exactly. So, and I, tractor and, beams. Yes. And I wanted to say this because I felt like the tractor beam was a highlight of the episode. I thought it actually looked kind of cool and planned out how the tractor beam, how it handed it, uh, the shuttle off from one beam to another to pass it under the ship and up uh, behind it and then into the shuttle bay. Mm-hmm. Um, I presume that, that the computer artists were given leeway to do it however they wanted and that wasn't actually written because it was clever and well done <laughs> and made sense. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but but we we have not uh, we haven't been at a loss for credit on the visuals of this show yet, though. So True. you know that that they, that was a good uh, that was a cool way to introduce the discovery. Um, I, I will so give you, it that. What do you guys think about the design of the discovery? So I said last episode well, we liked the the Federation ships. What did you think of discovery? I I like it. Um, I actually do think it looks cool. It's um, actually a a riff on an original design from back when they were doing original series. So, I mean, there is, yeah, it's a cool little nod yeah. to one of the I, concept sketches, I was, right? Yeah. I, I liked, uh, I, I liked the way it looked. I, I don't know if they got it in this episode, but did you see the saucer section swivel like a key in this one or, or does that come later? I can't uh, really remember. I don't it think it swivels. Yeah, okay, the, I think the inner question. the the inner ring. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, no. Um, I I think that's Sorry, later. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the ring having it swivel and having cutouts in the ring, I guess, sort of makes sense if you're operating from the standpoint that the 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 main view screen is a window, because mm-hmm. I guess they learned that lesson from the Shinzao having. <laughs> Stuff in its blind spot. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I maybe. But, but okay, but so we don't know that yet. I I thought the discovery looked good. I I, I give it. You know, I I still think the visuals on this show. You know, they're still doing a good job. Now, the force field shuttle bay door was out of place. I mean, galaxy class starships still have shuttle bay doors. You know, it, mm. uh, TOS right. had shuttle bay doors. The little little force field that opened up just enough to let them in um you know it, it looked cool and again it would have been a, a great addition to a series set after let's say voyager yeah. but uh at, at this time and place it, it was a little out of place but it, it's nitpicky you know so i don't want yeah what don't, don't, so don't hang up too much on that i i actually liked the design of the shins out better discovery it, it's okay it's mm-hmm. not my favorite. It's a little too angular, a little too blocky. But I did go back, by the way, and look. And, and yeah, you're right. The bridge of the Shinza was on the bottom of the ship, which means that the the saucer section of the Shinza was basically a giant goddamn sunbonnet. So when they were facing the beacon, why not angle I, the ship down like five degrees and just use it like the bill of a baseball cap to maybe block out the light that they said they couldn't block out? That was just a thought I had when I was looking at the bridge place. Yeah. But Mm-hmm. But it's anyway, so we get into the shuttle bay, uh-huh. and we continue to meet uh, really relatable and likable characters with uh, Sergeant Ponytail. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm glad to see that a couple centuries down the road, we've really 
uh, we've gone all in on the idea that prisoners are failed uh, by society and they need to be rehabilitated and, and that they're real <laughs> human beings. <laughs> Uh, because she immediately says, well, look what garbage we picked up, uh, including Starfleet's first mutineer. And I was like, time out. As big an asshole as most of these people that Starfleet are, it's hard for me to believe that there aren't mutinies popping up like on a routine basis. I mean, <laughs> yeah, at least in this I mean, Starfleet, it, there is. Yeah. In this one, yeah. it's bad enough that, you know, it's so it's so prevalent. They get their own special uniform. We didn't even mention that, but. She has. She still has a Starfleet insignia on her uniform. Apparently, gray I is noticed for, that for prisoners. Uh, Civvies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. Yeah, she she still had a uh, a Starfleet jumpsuit on, and uh, so she comes off. Everybody knows her, uh, but you know, to disprove your point, yes, convicts are less. Uh, they're substandard citizens, but you know what? They all need a meal. So please come join the general crew in the mess yeah. hall. Good yeah, it's just, just it, it's just creating cognitive dissonance because like Starfleet says we gotta feed the animals. Hey, animals, we'll be right. over here at this table. You just pick a seat wherever you like and uh, have a pleasant right. meal right in the middle of mess hours, and the yeah. mess hall is completely full because nothing could go wrong. Yes, but but hey, look, the four of you sit together because the plot needs you to. So well, well, and- so, so so they they all sit together, right? I'm sorry, Warden. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, it's, it's just like, don't, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't you usually feed prisoners in the brig? Just, you know, that that's, that's well, the trope in the movies is you know, there's a little uh, slot and you shove the food in and it's just like, fuck. Because <laughs> that, that wouldn't make them feel like people, Warden. And, and right, this is right. the this is the future where everyone is, is on an even playing field. Uh, but so, so, so I, the, the, I, I just want to say to me. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I wanted to point something out. Uh, you know, we bragged on the uniforms last week, and I, just, I thought about this because they walked past the black badge. And I do like the uniforms, <laughs> but one thing that irks me a little bit is so much of the show takes place in dark areas. It's really hard to discern the difference between gold and bronze. And that is tricky, yeah. It it seems to me like in a that in a organization with a very structured chain of command it might be a little more important to make the rank insignia visible it is so goddamn hard to see the rank pips to the point that i didn't even realize they were there in the pilot mm-hmm. um they're yeah. actually they're on the communicator not the communicator the insignia pin whatever right. and they're the same color as the badge which makes it really hard to tell yeah i i quite agree i quite agree doesn't change the fact that they're jam sexy, but yes, they're, they're yeah, it, 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 there yeah. are there are some impracticalities, uh, absolutely. But right. uh, yeah, whose idea was the, it to uh, have doctors thing, yeah. wear all white? Is I mean, th- again, they look gorgeous, but I mean, you're dealing with blood. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I don't know. I didn't know doctors wore all white yet. So yeah, just just replicate out some club soda. It'll take it right out. <laughs> but. Uh, so, I so, so, so okay, never mind. So this mess oh, hall. Oh no, scene, that would be next one, right? Okay. The, so, so the mess hall scene. So he comes up, and apparently, there's no honor among thieves uh, because they're gonna try and kill her. Because these people who, like, I, I guess I could understand the woman who was like, my cousin died. These other guys, they didn't have a dog in that fight, and mm-hmm. uh, they decide they're gonna they're gonna make it one more who died on that day, even though technically. She would not have died on that day, but 
Yeah, well, and, you know, they're mean, cons. But, but they, had, they, they, they had to do something. So well, what cracks me up is this uh, this guy jumps up from his table with his phaser already in his hand. Like, he was holding it. Up, oh, it wasn't like just a, a phaser. Like a, it was a, a rifle. <laughs> he had like that a, thing, like, like a, under the table <laughs> while he was eating. I guess, right, maybe like, he was it. dealing stud. Like, he was dealing stud, and the thing was hooked up under the table, just ready to go. And nope. so he he jumps up, and they, they, like, hold him back. Like, like this dude was clearly, uh, I mean, set it on the table, hang it on your chair, but it, it, if your job is to be watching them, stand there and watch them with your phaser, you know, or with your rifle at the ready. But um, but then, like you said, Sergeant Ponytail rides in, saves the day. Uh, the and captain says, will captain see you wants now. to see you. And it's like, what, did he just, did, you... did he just say that? Or did you Wait, make what? a detour part past the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the mess hall? Was I supposed to engage in gladiatorial combat first before he would see me? Who knows? I think so, the captain said, listen, we need to uh, reestablish that she's uh, a badass fighter. That's so, right. So uh, go put her in a situation where someone will try to kill her. Yeah. And, and and what was that? What the fuck was that comment? Stick to logic after all of that when they're walking out. And I'm like, um, she just like disassembled three people and you're going to like this. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I thought, I mean, it, it is a dumb thing to say. Like, wow, if she was wow. sitting there nursing, like, a black eye and, like, a busted lip, yeah, Vulcan should stick to logic. But she just took yeah, three people <laughs> apart. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. So, so, all right, so so we we head to see the captain. We get the side-eye from Saru, you know, the slow-turned <laughs> side-eye from Saru. Um, mm-hmm. or, or, actually, no, she saw uh, the other crew member, the girl with the bionic eye, um, Detmer first, right? And and see, this is my thing. Like, if you did not know any of Michael Burnham's past and you saw that interaction, you would have been like, "What the hell must have happened?" You know, I'm I'm intrigued to know what happened. But instead, you know, like, oh, she was on the bridge. She literally witnessed Burnham uh, mutiny. You know, so it's uh, yeah. Well, it, there's no surprise there. There's no mystery anymore. Well, and you may um, not remember, but she did not have the obvious injury that you saw on this episode in the first two. So she had some personal trauma from all of that. And so, okay. But but you but you wouldn't have known that if this was the beginning of things. And you're right. Then it would have been like, whoa, okay, what's their thing? And you know, so yeah, no, you gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. So well, let's all move right. on to like the best scene of. One of my favorite <laughs> scenes of this episode. <laughs> she walks into the ready room, and it looks like a Federation courtroom. Yep. <laughs> because, you know, it's dark, and, you know, Captain's standing there silhouetted against the uh, the window. And I don't know. Okay, maybe you guys can explain something to me, because um, either I or the Captain have a fundamental misunderstanding of what the ready room is for. Because... He says, you know, oh, I, I, you know, my uh, my eyes are bad, a in, little injury, have trouble adjusting to the light, so I got to do it slowly. He's like, like the admiral on Hot Shots. He has like all these weird injuries. Yeah. You know, so, so. Burned out my retinas. So, so well, yeah. hey, first of all, is it is it that good of an idea to have a captain on the bridge of a warship who is extremely sensitive to bright lights 
like, I don't know, warp core breaches, torpedo explosions, etc. Uh, second of all... Untreated, yes. Uh-huh. You know, as most Star Trek fans are aware, there's this thing called transition lenses. Seems like those would be really helpful uh, now. And, they, they, I mean, they're probably perfected those by the 23rd century. But, okay, it's the point of a ready room. Hey, to be fair, to be fair, at this point, we hadn't seen him in battle. He may throw on a pair of aviators and be like, mother of God, and just go straight I, after I'll, I hope he does. <laughs> if he does, then everything up to that point is worth it. <laughs> but, but but back to the ready room function, right? So I always assumed that the captain's ready room was so he didn't have to go far away from the bridge to do his office work so he could like go do his expense report in there and be ready at a moment's notice. But Orca's kind of using it as a like layer. It's more like my gradually acclimated room. Not I'm not so much ready. It's like an airlock, you know, there's like depressurization chamber, you know, captain on the bridge. Hey, give me two minutes and I'll be right there. Like, why would you, why would you leave the bridge, go in there and dim the lights knowing that you're going to have to take time to adjust? Did that strike anyone else as dumb? Uh, I guess I didn't, I didn't read into it that much. Yeah, Um, I didn't either. I was too focused on how asinine it was that he was like, Sorry about the lights. I thought it made me mysterious. Like, he even calls attention to it. Well, like, yeah, we because... Like, we weren't smart enough to pick up on the, the fact that they're trying to kind of foreshadow this character as being a little marred and gray and, you know, kind of a little uh, operating on the outskirts of uh, of the rules and regulations, right? So, <laughs> but... I can't well, the second speaking, half of the season. Uh, look, look, when it comes to foreshadowing and subtlety... <laughs> We have just established that Michael is quite the warrior. And she walks in and Captain announces, you know, introduces himself as Gabriel. And I was just, I think I sent you guys a text like, are you fucking kidding me? We got Gabriel and Michael. The, yeah. Why is the ship not named the Archangel? Like, like I could just see, you know, the, the episode is coming where they have to do some sort of away mission and can't use the transporters. And he's like... Michael, did you do your Halo certification at Starfleet? <laughs> no, sir, I never got my Halo certification. Well, Michael, we're going to get you your Halo. And then they jump down <laughs> and have these, <laughs> these wingsuits that, like, fucking open up like angel wings. And Gabriel and Michael, like seraphims of death, swoop down. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I, I can't wait till season two. <laughs> I swear to God, oh, if that happens, seriously. I'm done. it it almost has to because that's another like i just picture the writing room and them coming up with (laughs) and being like Like, getting a standing ovation we're done that was that's awesome we gotta capitalize on that because the next the very next thought i had was well shit we've established michael's a warrior how's gabriel going to be the messenger and goddamn on cue he pushes a bowl of fortune cookies to her <laughs> I, I could not fucking believe it could not believe it. i was like are you shitting me oh jesus christ he's losing it we've lost warden warden shut down uh, and and, yeah. and and then I, I, I had to ask myself, like, wait, did, did an intern 
mix up the notes on the two captains. Like, well, we got one captain whose parents, were, you know, were in the Asian cuisine business and uh, stays on the bridge during late missions. And we got one that's like a grizzled soldier who always goes into battle. Which one was, shit, was that, which one was JoJo? Which one was Orca? Oh, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Did they mix those up or something? Uh, oh. I, yeah, I yeah, like so, this. I thought that was a really good scene. Some stale ass <laughs> fortune cookies, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those things aren't good. All just open. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, but look, the twenty, the the Nobel Prize for science for twenty one ninety seven went to the guy that uh, invented never stale fortune cookies. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, God. Sounds, right. sounds like it was his family. It was a family business. So, uh huh. Yeah, get me back yeah. on track here. What's it? Okay, what are we uh, doing again? Um, <laughs> so, so, so speaking of, of of Captain Captain Lorca or uh, whatever, do you think the you writers just basically pick? Like he he was sitting there scratching his head, and he's like, "I can't figure out how I want to write this guy." And he's flipping through the channels, and on TBS, the Patriot is on, and he sees Colonel Tavington, and he's like, "My God, this is brilliant." And so he just goes to he goes to him and says, "I want you to act the exact same way you did in that movie in Star Trek. Don't well, change no, a thing." No, I think you missed. I think you, I think you missed a key step. And he flipped it from TBS to TNT, and Black Hawk Down was on, and he was acting the exact <laughs> same way as the Delta <laughs> Ops or or Seal, whatever he was, Commander. And he's like, "Yeah, that's what we need." That's right. Yeah, but yeah. Hey, look, I mean, I'm not going to complain because shit, his acting is is probably as good as anybody else's. I mean, uh, I thought he's he was probably the highest build guy. He's got to be the highest build guy on there right now, I would think. Uh, I, I mean, would, no, I would he, think so too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he, he's a good actor. He's a good actor, but it, it just cracked me up that I, as I was well, watching him, I'm like, movie. this is, I'm like, this is the exact same character he plays everywhere. But uh, oh yeah, I so... forgot about Harry Potter. Yeah, no, no, he's completely different as Malfoy. So, so anyway, uh, so so this Mike, so Mike continues to be extremely unlikable. <laughs> because... Hold on, but but all right. So this has been bothering me uh, up until this this part in the episode, and it keeps recurring. She keeps saying like, "I did the crime. I'm going to do the time," and keeps talking about how much she respects Starfleet. At what point during a mutiny, assaulting your captain, trying to commandeer a vessel and start a war, I don't really think any of that fits into the whole I respect Starfleet's morals and principles uh, argument. Look, she lives by the Federation, United Federation of Planets, and she will most assuredly die by the Federation of Planets. Mm. Yeah, I, I, mm. and I, it was so dumb, and she's so unlikable, and he said... Why don't we put you to work down in engineering? And she's like, with all due respect, sir, I've paid, I'm paying a debt. I don't want to do any work. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, and I thought, why do you get to choose how you pay your debt? And mm-hmm. then, thankfully, Orca goes, I, I, I didn't. I, are you mistaken in me thinking I give a damn about your preferences? <laughs> like, you're assigned to engineering. Go to your quarters. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, don't go to your quarters. Go to <sighs> Tilly's quarters. <laughs> oh, man. Tilly. Oh, boy. 
I like Tilly. Oh, I'm boy. sorry. <laughs> okay, you like Tilly because because I was about to ask this question. What what is what is the point of Tilly? Um, because to me, I was like, is this the writer saying that like this character is the traditional Star Trek fans? Like we're gonna throw him above. This is this uh, asthmatic. This is Reginald socially Barkley. awkward <laughs> girl who looks like you know with skin that hasn't seen the sun in in five years. You know, is these classic Trek fans are like, well, you know, I could. I would definitely be captain one day because I think that my intelligence uh, and creativity would really separate me from my peers at the academy. And I have lots of practice in Pokemon and Magic the Gathering, and it requires a lot of the same attributes to be a successful captain. Like that's right. Is it, it? Which makes me think either she, you know I can't tell if she's gonna die horribly or if she's really gonna be the cute character because I keep thinking that. These are the same people that wrote Star Trek Picard, and they're gonna give they're gonna give her a makeover in one episode, in a, in a ship in the bottle <laughs> episode. Well, no, I'm I'm more man oh, like no. I was more thinking like what, <laughs> what clandestine oh, agency shit. is gonna turn her into a murderer? <laughs> I don't know. I can't I can't decide yet if they're going to look, try to look, go she... with making her likable or <laughs> try to kill her off horribly. I I don't know. It was that 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 whole interaction was uh, Tilly. I, I just I, I don't know where to go from that. And um, and it, it here's another question: If you've got a tried and sentenced to life mutineer, would putting her as a roommate to the socially awkward cadet be the best decision, or should you maybe have made other arrangements for that? You uh, that's the second thing. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, as much as I imagine, if she had gotten one of the other prisoners as a roommate, I I don't think the prisoners ended up being. They were just in the brig. I'm pretty sure the only reason she had a room. Which come to think that, why would they bother Uh, anyway? But no. I mean, as much as I liked Tilly, uh, no. I mean, I don't understand. If you're if you're treating that- Michael as a as a like hardened criminal and mutineer, you're going to put her with the youngest greenest officer on the entire right. crew. Not not <laughs> even an officer, right? She's well, she's a cadet. A, she, I, I think like, I think like she. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty academy. Sure. I, I would assume uh, she's nearly like, done it's like internship. My but- understanding of things is that cadets are equivalent to naval midshipmen, and which. They may not be commissioned yet, but they are basically just larval officers, and they are treated as such. Um, meaning and, that, and that was my know. that was my assumption was she was she was a Starfleet Academy uh, work release program or, or whatever, and it's, uh, yeah, her end and, of her so end of her program, and she's yeah, this is her her cruise and, before graduation. So maybe this ties into what Joe Bob said about her supposing to be the. Uh, uh, the personification of Trekkies, uh, of old school Trekkies. Do you think they caught a lot of shit after the first episode about uh, her name being Michael? And so they're like, you know what? Yeah. We're going to address that in this episode. Oh, yes. I've never met a girl named Michael. Can I call you Mickey? No, it's Michael. And that and that was like the way they just addressed that. Yes, I think from- that. Okay. I absolutely thought that. Okay. Uh, and and thankfully for everyone involved, the the, the conversation, the interaction is cut short by uh, black light alert. 
black, black, black alert. alert. <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> All right, so we're at black alert, uh, which is... Uh, and uh, Michael, she's a, she's a real charmer, so, she, you know, Tilly's like, you haven't been told? No. Well, then I can't <laughs> tell you. And Michael's be like, tell me. What the hell's going on on this ship? <clears throat> But instead, she gets to find out because his next morning starts work release in engineering. I guess is where she goes. Yes, it's engineering. Um, yeah. And we just keep rolling through meeting our characters uh, that we that immediately well, endear themselves to us. Well, hold well, on. But but uh, Saru Saru walks her down there, so we, we uh-huh. get that interaction back with Saru. You know, we kind of have some feel good moments. Um, you know, here's your blueberries. Um, and what what a kind of a dick thing to say, like, oh, these are better than in prison. That probably yeah. had more to do with the situation, didn't it, than the replicator. Yeah, um, yeah so I still like Niles. You know, he's yeah, still the, the best like Saru. character. Uh, and once again, the two of them together are so funny because everything she's done up to this point is pure emotion, including... All the pouting and self-loathing, that is all emotionally driven. And Saru is still, you know, is obviously has emotions about that. You know, this guy that was bred from food stock that was all about fear keeps his emotions and manages to be more likable while delivering one of the most scorching burns that we've seen in the show. (laughs) When he's like, you know, if you get any ideas, I'll do a better job keeping my captain alive than you did. I was like, yeah. Damn. Yeah, that was, manages that was to be that was, that was more yeah manages to be more likable than she does when she is trying to deliver an apology and doing a piss poor job of it yeah. so all right so she she makes it to engineering and we continue this uh this process of meeting the the crew that's just they're they're so endearing all of them we meet uh not Scotty and Stand uh up. His name is Stamets, and I actually kind of like Stamets too. But Stamets, I've also seen two seasons of the show, so yeah, yeah, yeah. God, Stamets, you know, um, yeah. So, so we walk in, but Stamets flicks off his cosmic dandruff and um, you know, <laughs> tells her to go take a seat. And it's, it's like the scene on Forrest Gump where she's walking around and everybody's like, seats <laughs> I, I, taken. I said the exact same thing. Same thing. <laughs> seats yeah, taken. Um, uh, well, you so forgot he ch- he chides her for not being a Vulcan, <laughs> and you know that's right. That's right. Says you know just because I make a coronavirus video of me singing Imagine, it doesn't make me John fucking Lennon. I'm like <laughs> that's very yeah. on point. Uh, <laughs> st- Stamets. Yeah. So so I, so so Stamets gives her some busy work because apparently in the twenty third century we still have to reconcile our own code. Yeah, that's a, I, I, thought it was great. I thought it was great that the problem was with the DLL. I don't know if I paused it just to look at the code. I, I didn't and it was a DLL. Closely. I'm like, yep, it's still fucking things up. <laughs> and did you, did you notice that like after a while, like no one was left in the in the engineering bay except for her yes. and and not Scotty who was not paying any attention to her, which. Right, because he calls her a lurker. We're like, she's been there for like 10 hours. Yeah, dude, you you knew she was right there. You knew (laughs) she was right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it also, also, is it it a really good idea to give the top secret research to the uh, mutineer and not really supervise them? 
I mean, I know he didn't tell her details, but like it's code, you can kind of tell what's going well, on. He furs it. He didn't. He didn't tell her details yet, but his long expository rant in the shuttle in front of the chief of security, where he does spill all the top secret details. Uh, you know, I'm, why didn't anybody be like, uh, dude, like that's not cool. You're not supposed to be telling this stuff. But uh, I guess because, we had to have because it because it didn't exposition. make any goddamn. It didn't make any goddamn sense anyway. <laughs> Sure. They're, they're like, this is just more confusing than enlightening. So fuck it, let him let him talk. <laughs> All right. So so, so point so, of uh, know, point, Let me let me give him a compliment because we made a lot of fun of the hard light construct uh, holographic communication in in the last episode. And on this one, you know, I was like, just put him on a goddamn view screen, right? And they managed to find a way to put him on the view screen and still get their kind of hologram projecting out of it. I was like. There you go. That's the way to just update it without changing it completely to something mm-hmm. that feels like it doesn't fit. So I just I, yep. I wanted to throw that out. I thought that was a good job. I thought that was a nice touch. Okay. So all right, but yeah, so uh so let's see. Warden, bring us back here. Where where are we at in the plot? You know, she's okay, a So Stamets is talking to his buddy Strahl on the Glen. And they are the Glen and the Strahl uh, the Glen okay. and Discovery are both ships of the same class. They're both fitted with this all right, so what, what, do we don't think, know what yet with the uh, soy drive. Well, let me let me ask you this: yes, do you We don't think, know that yet, but yes. And it's so clever because Glenn is the name of an astronaut, but you also call a forest a Glenn sometimes. <laughs> Ooh, it's so deep. That's another day say, where they went to I, <laughs> went to lunch early. <laughs> so, They're like, so I was gonna I'm say done. one of the days that they were already knocked off early. They were like, "Oh yeah, we were supposed to name that other ship today." Oh fuck it! Just call it a Glenn. Give it, you know, give it a pretty vanilla name. When everything else Glenn. is the Shinjo and the Europa and the Discovery, they're like, call it a Glenn. Glenn is the That's intern be- that fetches the coffee. They're like, Glenn, just name it something. <laughs> okay. Oh, the the thing that's kind of weird and okay, no, never, I, I'm I don't want to go off rails. <laughs> I, I think I know I, what I, you're I, thinking. Honest, were you uh, thinking it, that normally ships of a class like have a theme? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm that predictable. Um, but yeah, I don't understand I, why one's Discovery and one's Glenn. It would make more sense if one was Armstrong and one was Glenn, or one was Discovery and God only. But knows that, yeah, I was. I had that thought, but to be fair, that's that there hasn't been a theme within classes in in Star Trek typically. I mean, like the galaxy it, classes it, were the Galaxy, the Enterprise, the Yamato, the Odyssey. Correct. They, but they, they have they 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 do it. Sparingly every now and then, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, but well, it doesn't seem. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter though, right? Because mm-hmm. because uh, the Glenn's gonna try to do a super duper jump, and it's mm-hmm. it's all gonna it's it's all gonna backfire on him. But but can we back up for a second? Yeah. So, was retinal scan security not strong enough that we had to go to a breathalyzer? Well, here's so what I think it happened is. They're sitting around and they're talking about it in the writer's room. They're like, all right, so how do we make it secure? And they're like, well, you put a security guard there. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not tech enough. Okay, well, a fingerprint. No, I mean, think that's 20th century technology. <laughs> so they're like, okay, well, what about voice recognition? No, we've done that. Retina scan. Done that too. We need something something good. And then, and then Glenn comes in late with the coffee. He's like, sorry. <laughs> I just got back from my. Uh, has chronic halitosis. No, no, no. He's like, I just got back from the courtroom. Today was my DUI hearing. They're gonna have 
me install a breathalyzer on the on the car, and they're like, "Bingo!" I just had a moment of inspiration. Yeah, thank God they did that because I don't know. I don't know what the next step would have been. You know, like sperm samples yeah. or something. I don't want to watch <laughs> Shit. Scotty oh, hopping the doorknob to get in. <laughs> it might make for a better okay. show. But yeah, um, but it would have been a painful scene to watch. <laughs> Uh, Mike, find a way to break in and identity fraud with that. So, all right. So, but did you notice when she came back and broke in? I'm pretty sure there was somebody in the room again. The no, people no, who no. are in these rooms don't pay any attention to what's okay, going on. I couldn't on. tell if there was anyone in the room. If if it, if it was, in the room was so oblivious, or just it looked to me like no there was somebody there. at the far end of the room, and she just kind of walked back behind them and and. Yeah, apparently this is only classified as top secret and not above top secret because they seem to take that seriously, but not top (laughs) secret. That's true. Yeah, well, just like just like last episode, it was the least secure brig ever. This is the least secure top secret engineering bay ever. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So, all right. So, I I do have a question about Stannis Stamets. Stamets, not Scotty. You know, he he. I do kind of like him too, and one of the things I like about him, but I can't quite figure it out, is is he an actual Starfleet officer or was he a scientist? Just this kind of ramen noodle eating scientist somewhere who basically just got conscripted, and because he he seems to to mouth off to superiors a lot, and uh, he is know, he a was... Starfleet officer. He is okay. what? Oh, I was gonna say I was gonna agree completely with Willie. He, I thought he was an academician that. Because yeah. on the shuttle, he goes on that rant about, no, I was perfectly happy in my lab, and then Starfleet came and co-opted my research. It, it seemed to me like it was, it's the Manhattan Project, right? Yeah, they, uh, right. No, they, he, they plucked up these scientists and say, you got to build us a bomb. So He is a Starfleet officer. But not an engineer. Is he supposed to be the chief engineer of the ship? No, I don't, he is not. He doesn't seem like a Starfleet officer. No, like Willie no. said, he, he, he mouthed, seems like a scientist. mouth off. Yeah, he is. Prob- he is probably the, pro- the prototypical. I joined Starfleet so that I could have access to the resources, kind of. But now I'm actually having to do things I don't want to do. So he's of. the professor yeah. that just wanted to do research. He gets pissy <laughs> when he has to actually teach a class to maintain his tenure. Must be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, well, fair enough. Um, I, I get that. So. So he's talking to 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 Straw. He's mouthing off to Lorca. Yeah. Well, that hadn't happened yet because he's he's talking to Straw and Straw says, "Is prepare ship for ludicrous speed." <laughs> it's like we've never gone that fast before. We can't. It's too dangerous. Um, bullshit. Stop this thing. <laughs> I order you. Oh man. Uh, oh. I, I I got I got a weird question. So uh, maybe I just missed it, but. It, just now, yeah, yeah, just now, and 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 we've uh, okay, okay. I, we may have addressed this before, but did is the first officer routinely called number one? I thought that was just some flair that that uh, Patrick Stewart brought to the show. Called Riker number one. Mm, no, it's 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 not universal, but it's okay, not because they've all called him number one. Um, Jojo called her number one, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and um, Tavington called him called Saru number one so okay I, yep. I, I just um, 
as long as that's okay. I, I I didn't know. I just I picked up on that. I thought everybody's calling him number one. I I thought it was uh, just kind of a Picard thing, but. Yeah, calling the executive officer number one goes back to the original series pilot. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, so so um, Mike continues to show that she is was absolutely the Starfleet was absolutely justified in kicking her out by stealing Tilly's identity uh, <laughs> with a handkerchief and a can of compressed air. Uh, yeah, and see. Um, which I'm still trying to figure out how that actually well, works. It doesn't. I just don't. <laughs> it doesn't. But science is not science is not really that important in Star Trek, so just don't worry about it. Well, you know, there was there was a time where at least fake science made some sense, but not anymore. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, we haven't even begun to, to scratch the surface on that because you know, you know this, this you know, ship have been better by uh, apparently. It only took 250 years, but we got the Green New Deal passed, and <laughs> now instead of nuclear or matter-antimatter or singularity engines, we're we're gonna run a ship on trees. Yeah, on trees. You know, here's you know, I, I, I was there's, just there's, thinking about there's it. There's still though. a warp core. You know, <laughs> if if it was a fingerprint scanner, we've seen people cut off a finger and, and they take the finger in there. Retina scanners, we've seen people pluck out eyes. How much better would it have been? If she'd have gone back into the quarters and like you know, just seen her just twist Tilly's Tilly's head off and, and taking her in there, <laughs> just kind of squeezed her cheeks together. They, they, they weren't they weren't ready to give. Well, I, that was never going to happen was, because her name wasn't like Medusa. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I was just going to say this was twenty seventeen. They were not ready to give anybody the Ichebsi treatment just yet. Um, that would they wanted to later. do it, but Glenn talked him out of it. I was like, well, this is going to yeah, premiere yeah. on network he, he, television, he, he guys. Told <laughs> <laughs> this, maybe that would be in poor taste. Um, <laughs> obviously, Glenn has moved on to another work. Good for He's him. the executive producer now. So, but all right, so so all right, so we're on the away team. Another, yeah, well, we got the, um, we got the message that the the Glenn. The, all hands Everybody's lost. Everybody's dead. All hands yeah. lost. So, was the crew killed by gross deformity, or were they killed by um, the uh, the uh, alien creature? Which one killed the crew? Because some of the crew looked eviscerated, and some of them looked horribly disfigured. Well, they weren't disfigured. They were they were twisted into corkscrews. Like everything was, it was all a, a torsional thing. Like. Their, their, the top part of their skull was twisted around from the bottom part, so like the jaw was off to the side, and you could actually, in some of them, see the coils, and and uh, Ponytail makes the comment, you know, that the Klingons weren't braided up, but, mm-hmm. and then, and then, uh, mm-hmm. not so Scotty talks on... about the helical markings on the, or, uh, damage on the outside of the ship, and yeah, then tells okay. Tilly to scan them to see if the twisting pattern matches the the spiral pattern on the outside of the ship. And I was like, what the fuck kind of quite like, of course it does. Like you think that there's two unrelated events of, I mean, granted everything in this universe appears to be either twisting things into a spiral or untwisting things that are in a helix, like your DNA into noodles. I like the way they tied that back. See, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Oh, it is. It is perfectly balanced. <laughs> Yin and yang. <laughs> yep. 
So, so maybe if she had just used the the um, soy drive to go through that, it would have been constantly <laughs> regenerating the helix that was unwinding, and and she would have been fine on the spacewalk in the first episode. If oh, if only well. if if only that she had been only. on Discovery at that point. If only. If only they hadn't made episodes one and two. So, look, can we talk about the the composition of the way team? Yes, we got we got Sergeant a, Ponytail. It's we another got, great plan. Yeah, yeah. So Sergeant Ponytail, Tilly, who talks about her first away mission, Michael, <laughs> and not Scotty, not Scotty, yeah, and uh, and then unnamed security officer yeah. who doesn't sit with anybody and just stands in the corner. I'm like, well, we did. You yeah, are fucking dead. Yeah, we didn't need you to get. Do you have any idea how yeah, many yeah, yeah. anonymous security officers I've seen die over the years? You haven't even got a name tag. You don't stand Wait. a chance. Hold on. You know, you you make that joke. I remember watching when they were first walking through Discovery, and I'm like, "There's henchmen arbitrarily turning knobs <laughs> to see if they're doing something." Like everybody was doing something. There was nobody just walking. Like everybody had a role. Uh, oh, man, I, mean, I forgot with, about that. <laughs> with 300 science labs and 130 people, you, everybody's got to yeah. just be constantly doing something. Some of those, some of those science labs have got to be like a baking soda volcano <laughs> because they don't have enough people on this ship to be doing that many. But the math just doesn't line up. But again, math is is devoid of this show. So does the ship have power or does it not? Because it definitely <laughs> looked like it didn't have power, but the force field was up and the and and the door was closing on a boot, or maybe there was a foot in there. Yeah, don't uh, be in that fucking door when it closes, by the way, because it it was hit hard. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but they're all having to use flashlights. Um, you know, you there in the shadows and the Klingon comes walking out like the librarian in Ghostbusters and shushes them. And... Okay, okay, and here, this is, by the way, I just want to say, uh, here's here's my crazy theory for the second half of the season. At some point, we're going to find out that JoJo's still alive, and she's planning the away missions for the Klingons, because, <laughs> what the, what the fuck was the, did, where's the ship that sent them over? Did they just send them over and leave them with no, like, extraction point? Like, did... I mean, did they drop them off and leave so fast that they didn't have time to radio back? Like, hey, what the fuck? What yeah. the fuck's it was a it was a burn the ships. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a burn the ships kind of uh, away mission. So they scuttled the Klingon <laughs> vessel and said, "You get this ship running and get it back to Klingon space." <laughs> oh, come back on your shield? Not at all. Uh, so, okay, well, fair enough. Um, yeah, oh. I don't know so, why he threw the bat lift down. It's like a breadcrumb for Starfleet instead of like hold on to it. But uh perfectly in the middle of the hallway. Yeah. Like lined up normal to the walls and everything. Like it wasn't even like it had been dropped in a panic. It was just laying there. Uh like yeah, like you said, the breadcrumb. Breadcrumb. But uh Klingons trying to recover the ship. Like, no, they're they're actually not. <laughs> Cause we know tractor beams exist in this universe. That's we right. definitely know tractor beams exist. They just so, sent some guys over and left them. Maybe the, maybe that's what they do with their mutineers. Yeah. I don't know. So, you know, that scene, that, that whole scene kind of reminded me a lot 
of uh, like the Millennium Falcon scene in episode seven when they go back to it and there's like this monster, you know, chasing after him and there's two different the rack, parties. Raktars. Rack, yeah. Raptors, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, but so anyway, so the thing starts chasing them. Um, and they and run Ponytail to Ponytail has to give the most unnecessary order I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I, you know, I say it's unnecessary when she says swap phasers to kill. Because I'm like, well, no fucking shit. I would have had it on red as soon as I saw the thing. But everybody in the in the party had theirs on stun, so I guess it was necessary. Well, it's it's actually standard operating procedure after Michael's failed capture of Takuma that you have to wait now to be told to put it on kill. Um, Makes and, sense. <laughs> Makes and sense. that was why that was why Agnes Everdeen accidentally killed a Romulan because Romulan disruptors didn't have a stun. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's all tied together. My God, this is the web now- we weave. <laughs> That's, oh shit. So, all right. So they get down there, and we start melting the doors. Yeah. To escape, right? Uh, well, actually, we're going to play the old diversionary tactic first, right? She decides, uh, you know, I'm going to oh, shoot shit. The thing. We we skipped over something that what? <laughs> Damn it, Warden! You're supposed to be keeping us on let's, track. Let's circle back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can I just? I would like to see you try. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, we'll fix that or not in editing. Okay. Whichever you feel like. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What did we? Stamets' impassioned speech on the shuttlecraft. Oh yes. Well, that did occur to me, but I figured well, we, we kind of talked about it though. Yeah. We, we we addressed that when we were talking about yeah. whether or not he was a officer. Or no, no, no. He, loves, he respects life, which is why he came became an astro gynecologist. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he he continues to be a prick to Michael because it's not physics or a, biology. Physics are you so naive as to see them as biology. different? I'm like, well, okay, yeah. At the quantum level, like, I mean, that's true for everything. Like, does the ship's cook be like? Are you so naive as to see antimatter as different from food? At the quantum level, it's all the same thing. Well, actually, no, because if you ate food and it was antimatter, your head would explode. So I don't know. I mean, I see pasta and antipasta on the menu all the time. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You win. You win. And this whole thing about, you know, the, the panspermia is the key to energy, or like they're the bearers of energy. I'm like, no, they're not. That's, that's dumb. Keep talking fast so we don't have time to think about it. But, you know, and looking for the muscles and the veins that connect the universe. I was like, what is this bullshit that they're, like, they're not even doing techno babble right. It's like new age techno babble. Oh, wow. Well, uh, it... uh, all right. Yeah. All right, so, okay, okay. So, so all right, so so she, she shoots the thing to try and distract it while um, Sergeant Ponytail has got her lightsaber melting the door to, um, to get her yeah, lightsaber. Yeah. It, Did it remind exactly you of, like the, that of, the, scene of the scene in episode, episode one. one where they're melting Yes, them. exactly like it. Okay, 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 all right. All right so, 
So this, this is and where you, we have you, to start. <laughs> Sorry, go but, ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, and later on, when you saw the door, it looked like it had been blown out with some kind of, uh, you know, incendiary device. Like it was all jagged, and like if you melt it, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen like that. But you know, well, and again, she spent was, like she spent ten minutes smooth, trying yeah. to open it up in the actual opening between the two door panels, and then the hole is cut like around it. It's like she figured out, like, oh shit, it's it's really thin. Once you get past the locking part, and I was cut all around it. Anyway, but but so this is where we're starting to to try to make Michael a little more likable. I guess we guess we're starting the redemption arc. She's gonna draw him away. And yeah, yeah. She's gonna she's gonna be a martyr, uh, just like she wanted to be at the Battle of the Binary Stars. And uh, so, so she shoots him, and, and she says, oh, shit, that works. So then she runs off. Um, and makes the statement, I hope goes, these starships are all designed the same. And I was like, that is the dumbest fucking thing. Like, no, they're not all designed the same. Do they all look the same? I, I, d- it's, all fl- it's all flare on the outside. They're all built from the same chassis. Yeah. The Discovery she, she had seven pieces another of flare. Oh, okay, so they gave her the specs. And blueprints for the newest top secret uh, science vessel. Science vessel to science look over vessel. while she was a mutineer in the quarters. Well, one presumes that she was familiar with the class since the Discovery and Glenn are two special versions of a larger class, but of course they don't explain that, so why would you know? Uh, yeah. It is. It, it, it's, it's a weird thing to drop in, if nothing else. Okay, so, you're, so, so your interpretation is it. all of these, this class of ships are built the same. Yeah. Hopefully. So who was Mr. Jeffries? Oh, I don't know. That's that. But, but my understanding is it was somebody who should be in the future <laughs> yeah, from this. This son of a bitch. No, Jeffries tubes. Yeah, in the original this series. son of a bitch has been so, designing tubes for centuries. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so so she climbs in the Jeffrey's tubes and and she goes all Alice in Wonderland on it, right? Yeah, because that made sense, right? Yeah. I I guess we were mm-hmm. we we'd met our fuck criteria, so she couldn't just be like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. So instead, well, she, that wouldn't be a very Vulcan thing to say, you know. Oh yeah, you're right. You would right. quote uh, Lewis Carroll. Yeah, I don't know what the point of that was. I, I mean, I'm sure they thought it was clever, but. It it uh, oh well it's because it, it it gave some humanity later in the episode when Tilly's like holy shit is that a book like she's never seen a book <laughs> do books not exist in the future it had been different it it had been different if she had been unpacking her bag and pulled <laughs> out like a ten inch black rubber cock and she was like holy shit is that a dildo like why do, <laughs> like why are books what not yeah, <laughs> you know, books the thing that's surprising that she pulls out, but you know, anyway, yeah, well, it, it I mean, Picard had books, so and he comes after this, that's right. Uh, so, Moby Dick was one of his one favorites, think. so uh, all right. Khan had so, a whole right. bookshelf, anyway. But the point is that it's like the scene from fucking Hudson Hawk where they're reciting, where they're singing songs, she recites it so that it lines up perfectly with her doing the superhero drop down into the open top of the shuttle 
Why these shuttles are convertibles, I do not know. Yeah. That seems like a bad idea for a space-going vessel. <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but she she falls exactly in there, right? Pops her head up. Go now. And yeah, because uh, she's awesome. Yeah, that one was that one was super eye rolling. It looked like a scene from Back to the Future, but you know we. Ah, uh, so, see, so, I wasn't that kind. I I thought it looked like a scene from <laughs> Attack of the Clones. <laughs> so. So she jumps in and they they escape right and they all they all get away. So I got a question, um, and I know I just keep coming up with these, but so they're debriefing and she's in the ready room again. She's in the dark room and he's just like, you know, a computer beam us directly to engineering. Well, okay, wait, 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 wait. Before he does that, we get another sanctimonious speech from her when he offers her a chance to like atone for her crimes. She's like. Okay. No, I was a Starfleet officer, and you are doing shit around here that violates the Genevas of 1928 and 2028 or whatever. Yeah, and he I says, warfare. to be fair, I watched the last episode, and you didn't seem that interested in the Geneva Convention when you beamed a explosive into a corpse's <laughs> chest while they were recovering him under a flag of truce. And she says, fair enough, I'm listening. He must it's, have said that subtextually because I just remember him saying "fascinating," or it was. Uh, uh, but anyway, go on, go on. I'm just being a dick. Go on. Yeah, I, 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 get then, what, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But but yes, to to, <laughs> and that leads to the let me show you something. And yes, we beam. We continue with your point now. Yeah. So so they beam directly to engineering, um, and. I don't remember a lot of Star Trek episodes before. You need a transporter at one point or the other. Like, it's not... I always remember you either beam someone to a transporter pad or you beam them from a transporter pad. I Was there a whole lot of just cross-ship beaming all the time? Well, if there is, what the fuck is the point of having of the walking. guy that's always on staff <laughs> down in the transporter union, room? He's got a union job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, and 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 why even have a person in there at all if you could just say computer transport two directly from here to the engineering lab, which, by the way, is once again completely empty. But but all right, so they beam directly into the engineering lab, but they couldn't beam there to the Glen because it was shielded, right? Right. So that's that was why they had to take the shuttlecraft to start with. Maybe. Maybe the shielding didn't yeah. didn't uh, matter then because they maybe were the shielding internal. was the hack. Maybe the shielding was the hack that let it go faster and it reverberated off of it, and that's what turned their black alert into the worst game of Twister ever. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Just being a librarian, site to site transport goes back actually quite a ways. Um, so it's 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 a thing. It was in Star Trek Four. Um, Scotty did it there and. Yeah, so it's it's okay. all through okay. original series. Uh, look, I, I, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. You know, if if I miss something or if I'm too harsh on it, that's fine. That's fine. So, what's the point of the transporter uh, room? Is it yeah. just safer there? Less energy? Yeah, it's 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 safer. My understanding of site to site transport is that it's um, well, you don't have the mix board there to pretty much. Yeah, basically, it's a safety thing and a difficulty thing. It's it's harder to do, so it's less controlled. 
but I think <sighs> within the ship, it's less a big deal because it, it's it's more of a big deal when you're um, from outside the ship in and that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Okay. All right. So they get they get there and and mm-hmm. Lorca's given his spill and I I can't I can't tell. I think that they don't want us to like Lorca. Like they want us to not trust him. But he's one of the more likable characters on the show so far to me. Yeah. Um, and he talks to her. He's, he's we're not making weapons. It's not a new way to kill. It's a new way to fly. Yeah. And he shows but, but her. But ultimately, it's to win the war. Well, yeah, but you know, it's not a new weapon, but it kind of is. Imagine if we can be there and in a second and back out, and we're traveling ninety light years in one point two seconds or whatever the hell it is. One point three seconds. Don't get don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Yeah, that would that would be a little bit insane. Yeah. And he's we like, need, we need we're doing it all with. He's like, and the way we travel is on mycelium spores. We grow and harvest mycelium, and I'm like, look, if you want to ruin a sci-fi franchise's pre-established lore, then say you're growing midichlorians and stick with what works. <laughs> God. But then he puts oh, her in shit. the chamber. What happens? What are we seeing there? Is this the think... memories of the spores and where they've gone? Um, I'm... Is her consciousness traveling along this little ribbon of, of spores? I, I think what we're supposed to interpret that as is these spores are briefly opening connections to those places so that she is she she is she she is seeing those places and yeah so that's i think that's what the implication so is, is she physically traveling to those places or is she no. just able to see him through a portal she's based i think she's just kind of seeing through a portal I, because I, I think it's low enough power see, i thought she was i thought she was going there because he starts out behind the little control panel you know, and then when she comes back to the engineering bay, he's he's kind of walked back over to the booth. Like I, I thought he was actually sending her to these places. I, but, I did too, uh, but was... then she can hear him. So like I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't none know. of it yeah, makes any goddamn sense. So it can be whatever you want it to be, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. It's right. It, an it's organic stupid. propulsion system. You know what's an that organic also... propulsion system? Fossil fuels. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like we kind of moved past those. Why are we returning back to them? But uh, oh well. <sighs> so so we've, so we've got we've got a, see, a no, I mean, you're, you're, green you're, energy. No, you're, see, you're missing the the deeper connections to the human myth and and shared experience. See these these trees, spores, and the web, the muscles. It's it's Yggdrasil, the world tree, and we're traveling along the rainbow bridge. <laughs> To the different realms. <laughs> only, only if you have enough unobtainium. <laughs> See, it's brilliant. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's it's brilliant. <laughs> oh shit! So, so all right. So we get a glimpse of what Black Alert is, or or what the the big secret of the discovery is. Mm. Um. Because clearly everybody missed the briefing of, yes, it is a science vessel. Because everybody acts really awkward whenever she says that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but so, all right. So we're, where are we at in the episode? Well, br- and, br- and bring us back. We're, we're getting pretty close to the end. That, by the way, that whole spiel of, of Lorca's is where you actually get the title of the episode. Um, 
whole rules are for lackeys, but content. That's right. And Peter Griffin was happy. So, so, um, and then, and then from out of nowhere, he produces yet another fortune cookie. I'm like, was that in his pocket? How did he not break it? Are these? Did they not only not go stale, but they don't break? No, he beamed it while while she was uh, in the (laughs) booth. He said, "Computer, beam fortune cookie to directly the engineering." Or maybe the spores uh, opened a portal up to his ready room, and he just pluck, plucked one out of it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's like, here's one more message from G- Messenger Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's like Robert Downey Jr. He uh, he hides snacks all over the set, and so he just randomly pulls them out whenever he needs one. Oh, yeah. so. God damn it, Tavington. Did you stash a whole bowl of fortune cookies? <laughs> Glenn, how did we miss that? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so 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 so. All right, we've lost Ward. Now I'm pretty sure the next scene we're is... in one of the we're in one of the 300 science bays. Yeah. This is the one that yeah. people don't get to go to. Yes, and um, <laughs> two photon torpedoes or whatever the hell they shoot. <laughs> And the Glenn goes supernova. And uh, did anyone else think it was strange that the explosion lit up the whole fucking room? And uh, Lorca stared right at it and never <laughs> flinched and never blinked. Mm. I, did, I didn't even catch that, but uh, I'm not surprised by it. Fair I'm enough. It, so. Fair enough. And um, so, and then uh, Sergeant Ponytail says, hey, I, I beamed that thing over for you. And she neglects this. Well, actually, you're you're missing. Uh, you, you skipped over. Did we actually see the threat ganglia come up in the pilot, or is this the first time we see? No, the it came ganglia? up. No, you're okay. You're right about that because mm-hmm. I I wondered. The impression so, I got was they're murdering the prisoners. Are they are they killing the prisoners? No. The impression the impression I got was he he told her she was dangerous, and, or or he, he he knew she was dangerous, and so. When she wasn't on the shuttle, his his threat ganglia goes up, and you know he he like kind of awkwardly like combs them down. Like it's like when you're 13 and you get those random boners. Like he had to like real awkwardly like reach up. Yeah. He's like I don't want I don't draw too much attention to this. You know, it's like doing the you know the put the hand in your pocket maneuver. Like right, that yeah, was kind of yeah. what no, he I mean, was well, doing. We all know. <laughs> He's like I better not stand up right now, but. <laughs> But yep. it's not. It's uh, not just. A, here's the thing, though. It's I swear not just to God, a, this never happens. <laughs> Somebody turn the air down. God damn it. <laughs> so. Yeah. So so he comes as he comes as threat. Okay, boners but down. but it's not just a. It's and, not just a. It's not just a fear boner. He said he could sense <laughs> the coming of death in the pilot. So that's why. Yeah. So it. Uh, it's one of two things. Either we're erasing the prisoners that got brought along. I mean, I, that was my first thought. Or the other thing is, is when they tr- when they beamed the Raktar over and it was beamed onto the ship. That's what set off his death boner. Because that that could actually could that. very well be. Um, I that makes I never makes more sense than the shuttle way. flying away. Yeah, um, my interpretation had always been that he was. He had somehow subconsciously realized that she wasn't on the shuttle, and, and but 
Yeah. But um, but yeah, actually, it could be that that's the connection they wanted you to make at that point. Well, it's know. odd that it I happened. Think, exactly I think Joe Bob is thinking left. Yeah, I think I think Joe Bob's giving him too much credit. I think it had to do with the shuttle because he was watching the shuttle, and then then um, he got aroused, and so right. But he had no he idea had that, that that Michael wasn't on it. And again, it's impending death that he supposedly senses. So I thought since the Federation has such high regard for their prisoners that these guys were about to be flown into a star or something. But, uh, so then we, then we pan back and, uh, and Tilly, you know, wants to see the book cause she's never seen the book before. Oh God, we are skipping around so much. <laughs> and, uh, and then we go back to, um, Lorca's, well, uh, well, no, 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 no. Don't skip over that part where we throw, you know, we mentioned that, yeah, my foster mother read it to me. What was oh, her name? Oh, yeah. Amanda. And I was like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had really hoped in the first episode that they just sort of brought Sarek in for a cameo. He was like the teacher. No. They didn't flat out say it was her foster father, but they well, now you know. said that Spock's mother is. So Spock is her fucking sister. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. so anyway, uh-huh. it's odd that he never mentioned her. You know, why didn't why didn't Cybok say it's in episode five? Like, hey, have you talked to Mike lately? <laughs> oh yeah, that was also Spock's brother, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so oh, yeah. anyway, yeah, so that... we we pan we pan to uh, we, we we pan to Lorca in his his base his creepy basement with his torture room, <laughs> and uh, he's got the you know, the little creature in there. And he says, here, kitty, kitty, or whatever, you know. And that was yeah, it. And, and Sergeant and Ponytail we, tells him that, oh, by the way, this thing clawed through double reinforced hulls. You, is it safe to keep him there? And he's like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. And uh, so we can't, I guess the lateral transporters on the Shinshao didn't allow you to transport Klingons to the brig, but we can transport a Raktar to the brig on Discovery because it's so advanced. Has that worked? Sure. Yes. Yes. Let's just go with that. Where'd they pick up but. the Raktar? Did they get it through one of the portals that the that the Space East opened up? Wait, what? Where did the Raktar come from to begin with? Was it in the... Did it start out in the little uh, cell that, that Mike was in? Was it related to the Black Alert? They, um, I don't think we know anything about it. Dis- we just know he was on the ship. He was on the Gwen. That's all that they explain. Did he come with the Klingons? Was he a pet of theirs? He was on. He was on the Gwen. That's all that they explain. That's, that's In all episode we know. three, that's all they explain. And uh, but he, okay. look, the, the highlight okay. of the show at this point is that we have made it through another episode, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't feel like we were that hard on this episode. You know, I, well, I think it let was... me say this. Overall impression, I, I, I think it's on an upward trajectory <laughs> <laughs> from pilot to this one. You know, I'm counting yeah. the first two episodes as a single pilot episode because it's really more like a two-part. Right, yeah. It is. I, I mean, I'm I, serious. I, I meant what it, I said earlier. Like, if this had been the first episode, I would have been a lot more interested in these yeah. characters than I would have having seen episodes one and two. Yeah, this one it I it it's a stretch for me to say I liked it, but I definitely didn't hate it. I hated the pilot. 
I thought the pilot was just dumb as can be. This one was okay. Now, I will say this. I really hope that this comes to pass. I'm afraid it won't. I'll pose it like a question. Okay, so who was the protagonist in TNG? I don't... Man, I guess if you... That's that's, that's an interesting question. because It's it's a leading question because it really was... It's it's a leading question. It really was a crew. Yeah. It really was an ensemble cast. Yeah. I mean, you could say that Picard, Riker, Data, you know, were maybe the core. They were more important. I mean, they were less Crusher-centric episodes, right? But unless I'm... I mean, I'm sure there's a couple scenes that didn't involve her. But over the course of the first three episodes, the only scenes that didn't involve Michael were uh, the one where she was in the brig, which still revolved largely around her when we were on the bridge. Uh, and then the kind of at the end of this episode where um, Tavington is talking to Sergeant Ponytail. And unless I'm mistaken, basically every other scene is sort of given from Mike's perspective. And that's a huge issue with this show right now, is that she is the protagonist mm-hmm. through these first few episodes, and she's so goddamn irritating and unlikable. And I really hope that that changes, and we get a chance to have some episodes that are that she's not in at all, but I'm kind of afraid that it's not, that, that we're stuck with, with this character. I will state that when in the press and stuff like that, Heading into the first season, the big thing that they were point that they were making is that first of all, there was a protagonist, and there was a character that was more the focus than other seasons have had, other shows have had. Um, and the other thing is that they were making the point that the protagonist was not a captain. Um, so, yeah, I think that based was on information on that was... you could have right now, I will. I, I can tell you, your hope is going to be dashed, dashed pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I suspected. Yes, and I, uh, I think the show is going to suffer for it. I, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, I, I think it would be better if it were more like an ensemble cast. And and with this episode, if this were really the first episode and you threw the pilot out, it would make complete sense for this to be a Mike-centric episode because you've got sort of that fish-out-of-water, you know, person new to the mm-hmm. situation. You know, it's the perfect, you know, storytelling vessel for to introduce an audience to it. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is familiar with Discovery. She's just coming in, just finding out. We're finding out about it with her. But, oh, God, I don't want, I don't want her to be in every scene. Okay. Um, I can allow me to, to reassure somewhat. Without giving anything away, I think I can do. Um, I will say that at least in my opinion, first of all, she does eventually evolve into something somewhat more likable. Um, and two, by the end of the first season, but definitely through the second season, the rest of the cast begins to pull a little more weight. Um, and while she is still undeniably the protagonist, it's a little bit more of an an ensemble thing and it's kind of i think a reaction um the first season from the get-go was in the can um they aren't they they they, the thing to be because they are doing long arcs instead of episode 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 um the the season the storyline of the season is planned as a as a unit so 
Um, they aren't reacting within the season, but it does seem like they react between seasons um, to gripes and complaints. And um, so I think especially in season two, you might be a little bit more. But yeah. Um, well, we got a well, whole hell of a lot of Star Trek before season two. Yeah. So well, it's buckle an, up. It's an 11 episode season. So it's it is, but it isn't. Is it just eleven? I had actually hadn't looked. Uh, okay. I hadn't looked how many episodes there were. That's, that's yeah. Good. It's 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 the twenty teens, twenty twenty. Yeah, we don't have attention span for actual like full length seasons anymore. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, let me look. Do, yeah. So, does any of the crew like each other? Um, 15, because that was another thing that I I sort of. Uh, Boy, now, do you mean do you mean points? do you mean like or do you mean like like because. You know, Tilly, uh, I'm sure she like likes some people, uh, but she's just so socially awkward. She doesn't know how to tell them. Um, well, yeah, I mean, well, the look that the, the ponytail shot Tilly and also the looks she was given, uh, not Scotty. I don't think that <laughs> they Scotty. like each other. And so 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 Orca and Ponytail seem to get along. OK, Orca and not Scotty don't like each other at all. Nobody likes Mike. Saru seems to tolerate her, but like is scared shitless. Of they, they, yeah, they don't even, they don't even like each other. Like it's like, I mean, I if they change, great. If they become likable, great. But like right now, they're not likable, and I understand why not them like each other. Look, hey, look, we're at war. You don't join Starfleet to make friends, okay? Yeah, I mean, you, you hey, join Starfleet to win a war, but. Well, so that was I, episode I, three. I can't wait until um, there's an episode where I'm able to talk. <laughs> universal law is for lackeys. Context is for kings. I'm sorry, Warden. We'll let you talk more next time. No, I can't because I know too damn much. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're monopolizing. I'm saying I could say something to that, but no, I can't. Um... <laughs> Um, Fair enough, but yeah. Um, so you have you have the burden of knowledge when it comes to Star Trek Discovery, huh? I do. Yes. Um, next week's episode: um, the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Jesus. <laughs> oh, um, oh, oh, God, boy. the masturbatory high fives and pats on the back that went around the writers' room when they settled on that. <sighs> oh man. <sighs> And there's, 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 there's going to be plenty for you guys. Um, (laughs) um, but there's also, it, it also does start getting to be, there's some interesting things that start happening. Um, some things, at least you understand what they're trying to do, whether it makes sense or not, so on and so forth. But yes. So, um, episode four next week. Um, anybody else have any uh, closing comments? No, I just I can't wait for episode four. Oh, I I may go watch it right now. Yep, absolutely. All right, all right, gentlemen. It was a pleasure as always. Absolutely. Until next time. This is uh, Warden Willie and Joe Bob signing off. Fight and Fury performed by R.J. Wilkes. Used under license from Shutterstock 3.0.